0: Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast, a presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer.
1: Bear Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears Podcast. Finally an off day, kind of, not really, we're still working, but... Not at Hallis, and at a minimum, we get to look back at what we've seen. Courtney Cronin on the podcast today. Courtney, how you feeling today?
0: We're good. It's nice that you got a couple of days of pads, you have a little bit of football, however much you're into the Hall of Fame game. But hey, it's back tonight, so it's starting to feel a little bit more real, but you can also look ahead and be like, wow, we have a really long way to go in training yeah. camp before yeah. we have answers on stuff.
1: No, 100 percent. It's it's one of those. Tonight's the game. Somebody said it's the Kellen Mond versus Zach Wilson game. Give it to me straight in my veins. And that's really how we feel about football. It's just like it's not good. We know it's not good. We know we're not going to enjoy this at the end of the day, but it's football. So we're also going to love it. Uh, we'll talk about some of our biggest positives and negatives that we can take away from camp to this point. Pros and cons sounds better. Uh, we'll also talk about what we're going to see in this Hall of Fame game tonight and what are some of the storylines heading in with Courtney. And then what we want to see from the Bears heading into their first preseason game. All that more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page, man. We do this five days a week stop playing with us nobody's doing this like we are actually there's a lot of shows but don't worry about it we're doing it the best uh let's jump into this Courtney I like to start off on the positive I like to feel good heading into the podcast so what are our biggest positive takeaways that you've seen from camp thus far
0: I wrote about it today at ESPN.com that the growth of Justin Fields as a passer we are now just over a week into training camp. They started practice last Wednesday. They've been in pads for two days. And even though when we last saw the offense, it was Struggle City on Tuesday and how poorly they executed in seven on seven and the early move the ball periods, like there are still a lot of takeaways from fields in the first team offense specifically when it comes to his growth as a passer like he's checking a lot of the boxes and yes it's early and yes the bar was set pretty darn low for an offense that averaged like under 131 yards passing per game last season but you're starting to see the incremental improvement that the bears are tracking throughout training camp that they will be tracking going into week one and truly able then to evaluate Justin Fields and his growth as a passing quarterback in the NFL, which he needs to to have uh, in order to be successful, in order for him to not run for, you know, over 1,100 yards in a season, that, that all of those things matter. So I take a look at kind of like the whole mixed bag that we have now, eight days into this, and you evaluate the good, the connection with DJ Moore, the fact that the offensive line for the most part has been, you know, a unit, to at least like without a lot of moving parts. Of course, there's a Tevin Jenkins injury that we have to take into consideration. The absence, for what we don't know, all we know is like some sort of vague injury absence for Nate Davis. But all of those things considered, I think Fields has shown that he's already taking and making strides as a passing quarterback in this in you know in this team and also like the scheme too, being able to operate at a more at a higher level within the offense it's something that players have talked about and giving us specific examples of that like my biggest takeaway from Darnell Mooney's press conference yesterday when you know Luke Getze had said previously that in a way kind of paraphrasing here that they're unlocking another layer of this offense because they can go deeper than just like the base concepts and what the words mean. Now you can talk about like what the reaction should be off of this, what you should be expecting the defense to do and to hear Mooney talk about Justin Fields and what he's doing in walkthrough where he's calling plays during the two minute. Like he wasn't doing that last year. And that's a nice step of growth that you see from your quarterback year two in this offense, getting more comfortable at the end of the day. All of this is about comfort in the scheme and being able to execute it and not have to like overthink, okay, what do I need to do on this play? What are, what are the shifts? What are the motions? What do I need to anticipate from my protection? All of those things now are becoming more second nature to where he's not having to overthink just to prepare to be able to go in and execute a play. So those are like like big picture-wise, like 30,000-foot view of training camp so far because offensively, everything they did this offseason was skewed towards make Justin Fields a passer in the NFL, give him yeah. all the tools he needs. And so far, you're starting to see their plan come to fruition in the first eight days of camp.
1: No, 100 percent. And the one thing that stood out to me, it's so interesting because we always take away from the positive days. Okay, this is great. He he played great today. He's completing his pass downfield. But to me, what we saw yesterday and how he came into that press conference where a press conference where I think last year during training camp, he probably would have come in a little bit more frustrated based on how the day was, how he struggled throughout the day. He came in with a smile on his face, one of his bit, And maybe this is just a dumb thing to take away, but it didn't feel like, man, we really struggled today. It felt like, like Luke Getzy said, we were instituting new stuff that we haven't seen before. We were doing a little bit, doing things a little bit different. And I'm confident in how I'm going to be able to go out there and grasp these concepts moving forward. That's the mm-hmm. vibe that I got from his press conference yesterday. And when you see those things from Justin Fields, even just right coming in with a smile on his face and saying, the only thing we had to work on yesterday and, and we spent a long time, me and you talked on the sideline yesterday, just like, it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we didn't have energy. I was like, energy was the problem. Yeah, you know, like, like, <laughs> All they were worried about is that the defense was chirping at them and they weren't chirping back. So that does give me a little bit of a little bit of more confidence that he's getting these concepts. He's going to be able to in- implement them and that even the bad days are just Luke Getzey making things harder because they've already got the simple concepts locked out.
0: The fact that when there are bad days, too, they're willing to tell you what went wrong. And what issues they see as correctable. Like they're being, there's a self-awareness in that that I don't want to say wasn't there last year, but I felt like they were just kind of like wall up, like this is gonna be a rough season, grin and bear yeah. it. Like we have to get used to this because it's probably not gonna win a lot of games. And it's probably gonna be a season filled with a lot of growing pains. Yeah. Now that like, I mean, I don't, I think your, your observation is spot on fields coming in yesterday. I remember thinking, I was like, man, this is going to be rough. Are we going to get him for like five minutes yes. because he's going to be really not happy with the way that the offense performed the fact that he comes in there and is willing to peel back the curtain. Like, yeah, not every day is going to be a good day, but he has the con you don't come in there unless you have the confidence that what we saw out there are correctable mistakes. Like, if you think this is just like an uphill battle and everything's going to be like harder and more challenging than what you're equipped to to handle and to like fix some of these problems, then you're not going on about the defense winning yeah. the day and like what they're teaching you, like and what you're able to glean from that. And that you feel like those are good things because you, there's kind of like a there'd be an insecurity in that. If you're not secure in like what you have offensively you take that to be something that like, you know, is almost like a a knock against you as an offense. And there was this back and forth exchange where, you know, he was asked about that. Like what can, like, basically, what is the defense beating you today? How can that help you as an offense? And his answer that like, you don't want to drive down the field on your offense is a smart one, because sometimes I think we look at training camp and it's like an up and down day for the offense, or if the offense has a bad day, that's not necessarily a bad thing all around. Of course, you need that your quarterback. It, it, they that series in seven on seven where they had four. It was like a, a you know four consecutive plays. Three of them ended up in the hands of a defender or mm-hmm. you know an incompletion, and that's not good. But for them to bounce back, for Fields to go, I believe I charted six of nine. Those three straight completions to Cole Komet, the big catch to Darnell to Chase Claypool, and then you know, for them to settle for a field goal there to get out of this rut that they were in and finish off the the, uh, two-minute drill at the end of a very long practice on a more positive note. Yeah, That's something you wouldn't have seen last year. When the implosion happened in training camp in 2022, it kind of snowballed and They might have bounced back the next day, but there was still this lingering feeling that, man, it's going to be rough this year. This is going to be a hard one to have to get around. And so I look at how Justin Fields handled not only practice, but talking with his teammates, talking with, um, you know, the media afterwards and what his message was as a sign of growth. And that, like... You know, more than just like him being like, you know, taking the steps to show you that like his rhythm, his timing, all those things are better than they were last year. It's his handling of the perception around man, bad day for the offense, where he looked at it and he was able to pull some things that he saw as correctable mistakes and be honest about it. Because last year I felt like it was just there was, you know, for him it was he was in self-preservation mode. And yeah. he had to be to get through what was Yeah, the most challenging season, I think, for any quarterback in 2022.
1: Yeah, I mean, and (laughs) especially with some of the pieces he had standing in front of him and to throw to, like, you you were literally just, that's one of those where even in training camp, Justin probably was like, this is going to be trouble.
0: Um, He's self-aware enough to know that, like, that is not something that it it was going to be easy for him. And I, you know, when you know that, it's kind of like, okay, I've got to get through the next five months you're not going to be happy you're not going to come across as somebody who is super excited about what's going on and I just felt like there's I mean there's always he's always had ownership no one's ever like claimed that Justin Fields isn't that guy that like is the locker room leader but for him now it's like yeah there's going to be bad days I can be self-aware about it because I know what we can do as a team to get past the bad days and like confident that like your personnel is going to help you get past those two. Whereas last year you've got 13 receivers competing for six spots more or less on the depth chart. And you didn't know who could do what at this point, yeah. like the fact that he has the answers to the test on, you know, so many different levels this year is already like a really good sign that things can at least trend better. Might not be by like a huge amount of wins, but much better than they were last year.
1: No, 100%. And I think the one thing, you you said something where he goes six for nine, right, and he starts moving in the, the right direction in that two-minute drill. It feels like he has his weapons that he knows he can go to when yeah. he has to complete a pass three times to Cole Komet, right? And and even when we've seen him struggle a little bit, right, instantly, okay, DJ, go out, be fast, and be one of the better receivers that we're going to see. I'll get the ball to you. It, it just feels like... I can see how this offense is starting to have the consistent weaponry that he can fall back on if they are trying some different concepts. If they are trying some things that defenses are like, no, we're going to shut that down. I we're not going to let you have there's that. A like, there's, there's a workaround. There's a workaround. Like, go to the big dude.
0: <laughs> and that's that's what we're seeing here too. Like in training camp. I know a lot of people don't want to see the passes to the running backs or the screens or the short passing game. Yeah. I object to that idea because he was not one to take the layups last year. And that's an important part of his overall growth. That's getting out of a jam because we see how so many teams, you know, when they when you're facing teams that play cover two and they're going to take away your downfield routes, like you have to be able to adjust. We didn't see those adjustments last year. So watching him in practice get really active. His yes. running back's very active in the passing game. To me, that's a sign of growth, not only from the quarterback, but from the offensive play caller, who I know Luke Getze said right now they're going through a script. It's not anything that like he's doing specifically to help Justin through some of like the the rough moments he's had in training camp. But I think it's growth of the play caller and growth of the quarterback in those moments that you can take away from practice.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's, it's seeing... And it's how Luke Getze has talked about it, where it's just... Being able to go into the deeper things in the playbook, being able to look at, okay, this is where we were at last year. Now we can have this conversation. Now we can implement this. Now we can add this. It's, it's while it's getting tougher, and you can tell that it's getting tougher on the offense because yep. it's new concepts. It's different things that Justin Fields couldn't fall back on last season to get him out of jams. There was a certain set number of plays that we could see. After a while, we started seeing the same plays in every game. We were like, hey, I don't know if y'all know this, but that little end-around thing y'all keep doing to Equinamius or Chase Claypool or whoever's in there, it doesn't work. And there just wasn't enough that they could fall back on. I think Mm -hmm. coming into this season, one of the main positives I am taking away from this offense is I think that there will not only be the weapons there, but there will also be – Luke Getzey will be able to get so much more creative and I think we'll actually get to see this offense open up and look a lot more like what the even when Aaron Rodgers was there, year 2 of what the Packers did instead of what we saw in just year 1 of what the Packers did.
0: Yeah, and there's, you know, for for Getzey too, like think about how good they were early in games. Mooney mentioned this yesterday because they were on script. The second they got off script and when they were playing, you know, yeah. behind the eight ball more or less, That's when, you know, when you're behind this, when you're behind the chains and you're in like third and, you know, third and long most drives. And then, you know, it becomes three and out after three and out after three and out. It's hard to catch up to that. So being able to, you know, find ways to get off to a faster start, but then like, after you go off script, being able to, you know, maintain that. And that's what I thought was so interesting about Wednesday's practice. Like, it was the call it. They did like a bunch of call it plays. Like it was that's the reason it was so long because they weren't just going on script. I think Mooney said there were about 15 call it plays, which is not on script. It's in the moment. Here, you have to know the plays. Here's yeah. what we're going around and execute they weren't able to practice that same stuff at this point of training camp last year because they were all just trying to like learn the very basics of this offense. And that's hard. A lot of yeah. times, you know, it's not like there was a veteran team that had run variations of the scheme before it was a group of young players by and large for the majority of the offense that was all learning at the same time. And now that they all kind of have, you know, they have the basics mastered, then you can add in more concepts and what Luke Getzi said, not yesterday, but the start of training camp is that, you know, they're excited about it cause they can get a little crazy now was uh, that was his words. And yeah. crazy to me means more creative. Like I me, mean, you saw in the Netflix show, I don't know if it'll ever get to this, but those periods of practice where the chiefs were able to like, you know, I forgot what Andy Reid like said, it was kind of like their playground. Like they had a part of practice where Patrick Mahomes was able to call plays. That's how they instituted the, the play against the Raiders where they went like around in a circle and then it was the reverse where the ball was snapped to Jarek McKinley. That kind came from those moments. The Bears are probably still far away from getting there, but it Let's sounds like they're, they're closer to, you know, when, when players are taking ownership of the playbook and when Justin Fields is able to do more than just execute or carry out what's asked of him and execute in ways that we have not seen, that's when you're going to be able to measure that growth in games. But it sounds like they're already getting there, you know, in a way where they're comfortable letting the quarterback have a little bit more of the reins of the offense. And, you know, just to get to, like, hear from players how they're seeing that play out, because anybody can say, yeah, he studied the... Like, it was the same thing with Chase Claypool. Like, we hear he's been in the playbook. We hear you're, like, studying a lot more. Okay, well, tell me how. Tell me how, Justin Fields. Like, same thing. Tell me how he's learning it better and how that, like, has a real-life application every day in practice. And, you know, to hear from Mooney about the walkthrough stuff, I thought was a really important clue into how this thing is actually going for him.
1: Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm excited to see where this offense is going to be. The one thing, another thing that I think is going to be a positive for this Bears uh, team as a whole is this does come off a day where the defense is actually starting to look really good. And even if the pressure on the line, I, I, I asked this yesterday on the pod, basically, right? Is Justin just staying in there? because he's trying to force himself to stay in there and and Mm -hmm. actually make a pass because there's a lot of these where it's like sack, sack, sack. And it's like, well, I've also seen Nick Bosa about to kill this guy and he's rolled out of it and turned it into a 15 yard gain. I don't know if these are really sacks at the end of the day, but the defense is creating pressure. I like how even Allen Williams is finding creative ways to send Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker still into the backfield. And Tremaine Edmonds is everything is advertised and more. I think this defense is going to take, I don't know if it's going to be a top 10 defense step forward, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about them being a top 15 ish defense in the NFL. They
0: were a little bit below that in past defense last year. I mean, we know where they were against the run, but for obvious reasons, you can start to see why that emphasis on the run has become such a big thing in practice. And they want to improve in that area. They have the personnel to do that. Like remember talking with Carmen Yurko a couple of days ago, and Yurko brought up the idea to me that the secondary might be the strength of this defense. And I had to think about that because I still think with Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn went healthy, but also the strides that we've seen from Noah Sewell, I feel like the the linebacking unit of this team might be the strength. Yeah. Um, it, but that's not to say that secondary couldn't be like a strong 1A, 1B option or even you know supplant that by the end of, you know, you know, halfway point of maybe the end of training camp, halfway point in the season, whatever it is. But you, you know, the hard thing to judge is like what it, you know, simulated pressure when you cannot hit your own quarterback. That's why these joint practices against Indianapolis are going to be so critical because that'll be the first time you get to see, all right, against that pass rush, how does Justin Fields react? Because there are moments now several in the move, the uh, one of the later move the ball periods yesterday where I felt like fields was moving a little better away from the pressure, but it's hard to tell. Cause I mean, it's, is it, was it Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson had an awesome day? They yeah. were active partially also though, like, is it, you know, could fields have gotten out of that if it was a real situation, because yeah. sometimes, you know, they're never going to hit their own quarterback and it's just tough to tell. Like, were all of those sacks, or was there something that, like, you know, because they were going basically at walk-through speed at the end once they slow up with the rush and all of that. But I do think there were some positive signs with how how the defense had, like, one good play and then another good play, and they were able to string these things together throughout practice on a day where they just kind of demoralized the offense from start to finish. And, you know, to be able to hold the offense to the field goal at the end because there was that pass breakup. Uh, in the front of the end zone, I think that was to Cole Komet, like one of the final plays, and then you know to get the pressure in Field's face on third, third and seven. What it was in that final play before they settled for the field goal and making him throw the ball out of bounds for a pass rush that has a lot of question marks on it. Still, to be able to do that in the in the, the early part of training camp, at least they're showing you what they're capable of, and it just hopefully, you know, for their sake that they will get some extra help in there and get somebody else all coming off the edge. But at least right now, if you're Ryan Poles and you're looking at this, you know, the comments that you made about Travis Gibson and um, Dominic Robinson, but also Demarcus Walker. And when we have seen him, we didn't see him at practice yesterday, but Rasheem green, like he's been very active too. So at least you have like a more formidable group, even if it's not like up to standard of what you expected for this pass rush, at least you have, you know some guys showing signs that they can play the position and do you know far better than what this d- defensive line was able to generate last year because it's not just the edge you're seeing some of that pressure like where is it coming from that fields getting pushed you know pushed when he's sitting high in the pocket and he's getting pushed that's coming from the interior and you made they did make considerable investments there too
1: yeah and hit, i think there's i think it's twofold right to me i think like you said right does fields get sacked in that situation probably not Could he get out of there? Maybe. You know what I mean? But Kirk Cousins can't. (laughs) Jordan Love probably can't. Uh, uh, Barry Goff probably can't.
0: To be able to have his legs in those moments, like I think it would probably if Bears fans who go out to practice would probably feel so much better if they could see Fields take off and utilize his legs and try to get out of those jams the way that we've seen happen when it breaks down in games. And to your point, Pat, yeah. but like maybe he's staying in there just for the sake of trying to climb the pocket and show that he can do it. It could be some of that. Yeah. But I also don't think that like when they're going through these plays, what Field said yesterday, which I think a lot of people forget, they're not scheming for their own defense right now. They're working on like their plays or they have a huge call sheet like he you know, did this whole like, you know, demonstration of like, we're trying to get all of these plays in right now just to literally learn them to go through them to make sure that we have everybody where they need to be everybody on the right assignment, because Luke Getzi told us that every play right now has about one or two mistakes. And those are alignment mistakes, They're first time experience mistakes. Yes. Once you get through more of those master, like or at least get that to like a level where you're comfortable with. Then you'll start to game plan for what the Bears do – offense does against its defense. And you'll be able to see more of, you know, in this situation, is Fields just hanging in here for the sake of it? Or will he, you know, inevitably take off and, you know, try to make a play happen downfield? And then you get to see potentially what those plays are. But I still think we're like a week away from that happening because they're still learning – concept like the the base plays that they're going to try to run and some new things that were inst- uh, installed within like the last couple of days
1: and a ton of this remember like i, I talked to J Mac about this uh yesterday on the pod too right a ton of this the ones versus the twos yesterday was a ton of ones versus twos mm-hmm. most of this is going to be ones versus twos so it's it's good to see them getting this work it's good to see the depth that this bears team has versus the ones because i think we saw good things from both sides um, you know, positives from both sides on on the ones and the twos. So the one uh, the one thing that I will say though, there are some negatives that I have coming out of this uh sure. these th- these first couple of weeks. Um, and I'll ask you this: I mean, how are we feeling about Braxton Jones at left tackle? Cause I am concerned because I it's one thing to say, I know what I need to fix. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing him get beat with the same things that he got beat with last season. And the Bears aren't shying away from saying, go bull rush him. Continuously bull rush him. Now, to his credit, he's been able to recover. He's been able to get his spot back. But on a Miles Garrett, right, you recovering means you're in a bad position. I'll Mm -hmm. spin off of you and be on your quarterback in a heartbeat. Yeah. Is there a concern on where Braxton Jones is right now heading into the season where he's just starting left tackle? Like, it's not like he has time to just, all of a sudden get tremendously better. I don't know if what we're seeing is going to be fixed in the three weeks of preseason we have.
0: It's a good question. It's one that I've had. Um, I watched a good portion of the team period with Jason McKee yesterday because I, I had the same thing. Like I've noticed this since he got into the league. Like he's a big dude. He's and, huge. Like to be able like he sets his pass sets like when he's getting in his pass sets he's higher than everybody else tackles typically are bigger so you're going to see that happen but it's one thing he can't like because his bend is not there and from what like Jason was kind of like I- explaining you know he he has to get lower in that to be able like so he can recover from a bull rush because you're right we are seeing that happen where they are sending that pressure at him that way to see how he reacts and what he told us what Braxton Jones told us the other day that his You know, his hands, like he worked with Olin Krutz this offseason, you know, kind of training that element. That's still something that he thinks is his weakness. I thought he was very self-aware and honest about some of the issues that, you know, he's seeing pop up in training camp and that he's not at all a polished product just yet and might not be this season. Like, you know, he doesn't really feel like a vet just yet. He's still a second year player. He had a far bigger learning curve coming from an FCS program last year where I feel like, you know, he did a pretty, like, remarkable job last year playing every single snap after coming in, you know, not playing against the sort of competition on a weekly basis that the guys who were, you know, playing offensive line who were drafted ahead of him likely faced. And he did yeoman's work and handling that is probably the most consistent, him and Tevin Jenkins, the most consistent offensive lineman that they had last year. But I... I do think that it is early with this pass rush that you can like tell, like in some of the drills, yeah, Braxton got beat there. Yeah, he might have won the rep there. Like on the other side of it, you don't have probably the same amount of concerns with a Darnell Wright. But I think that strength element is something that Darnell Wright has. It's the reason he's a top 10 pick. So with Braxton Jones, he's probably got to find ways like to compensate. Like if I can't get lower in my pass set, if I can't withstand, you know, a bull rush coming off the edge or a pass rush move that like forces, you know, kind of forces, like they're forcing me to go inside. Like that's going to be a problem this year. I never gathered anything like, you know, like some like immediate concern from like the offensive, you know, from like anybody in the offensive side about that. I still think that, you know, this group just kind of the big concern right now is, all right, what is this Tevin Jenkins injury? Because they put Alex Leatherwood in there at left guard yesterday after Jenkins went down, Luke Getze, when I asked him, didn't seem to, like, he just saw him walking off. He didn't know what it was, but is durability going to be an issue? And again, what's going on with Nate Davis? Like, when is he coming back? Like, now you're down to starting offensive linemen. They anticipate this stuff, which is why it's so great for them to have Lucas Patrick in the fold. And yes. I was, with, I was watching him at practice yesterday. Like, Cody Whitehair is the vet on that line. I mean, he's the oldest one playing there. He's been here since 2016. Lucas Patrick is the heartbeat of that line. And watching him, like, go pick up Braxton Jones <laughs> after, like, a really rough yeah. um, a rough series during the early move the ball periods and watching him, you know, interact with Alex Leatherwood and, you know, kind of keep that unit together when they were getting their ass kicked up yeah. front yesterday. Like... You got to have somebody embrace that role. And even if it's somebody who might not have a starter's role, he's going to be playing because injuries are a thing up front. And right now they're proving to be a thing. So you'd be more you're more comfortable about the depth and I know that we started this conversation about Braxton Jones and it kind of like matriculated it all into that. It, yeah. but it's it's yeah it's a good spot for them to be in because they did not have that last year
1: well and that, and it, it, it all morphs into the same conversation right because the concern with Braxton Jones you're less concerned about Braxton Jones if Tevin Jenkins is healthy because you know Tevin Jenkins has the ability to play left guard or left tackle you know that uh, um, you have Lucas Patrick there who pretty much can play the entire interior offensive line, you know? So you have Alex Leatherwood who might be able to slide in at some guard for you. So you feel good about the depth, but as the depth starts to go down, right, like, as soon as Nate Davis goes down, we're all just like, what happened? Like, we haven't even seen him. It's not like, he's not even on the sidelines out yeah. here. You know what I mean? And it's I would assume today, on a padded like, day, they're not giving him a veteran's no. exception. You know no, what I mean? So
0: It's gonna be... A situation where unless it's long term, they're not going to say anything about it. But yeah. you know, it, having Lucas Patrick on that side and Alex Leatherwood, I remember when they mo- they were toying with him last year, like in practices after you know he came back from mono, that like they moved him around. I mean, yeah, we saw him at right tackle very briefly in that Packers game. Yeah, but it was left guard where we heard most of the buzz about we like him over here as a backup and to utilize him in a role where, he, like, I thought he held his own yesterday after Tevin Jenkins went out, which at least it would be a good thing if you're a Bears fan. that There isn't – it doesn't feel like there could be that much of a drop-off depending upon how long Tevin Jenkins has to miss. We Again, we don't know what the injury is, but this is somebody who has had back concerns and neck concerns, and you just don't want that to be something. If that is what it is, yeah. again, we don't know, but that's where your brain goes. Like, okay, he's dealt with this stuff before, and it's become an issue – his availability, like if that comes into question, then that's something that could change, you know, change that position and change the entire left side of the offensive line.
1: And the the, the one thing I will say is, we did get a chance to kind of see him walking off. He didn't look like he was in any like I, that's what that's why I
0: was like so con, I was so confused at first. I'm like, did what happened? Yeah. Um, there wasn't any like he wasn't favoring anything. So I I don't know. I mean, I saw him walk off. I did not see him actually get hurt. So I was, yeah. Maybe I mean, maybe but, maybe there
1: was a scare of some sort. And, and the, the scary part about it, right, is it's a back. So mm-hmm. if 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 it is his back, it could be something where he's just grimacing under the helmet or like it didn't seem like anything to me, but I don't know, man. We'll we'll see. Uh, i I'm I've a position that I felt very confident in coming into camp now has me a little bit nervous in, in this offensive line. And so uh, we'll see what it all ends up being. Let's keep this thing moving along. Head into preseason, but before we do that, we do have to let you guys know that this portion of the show is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in northern Indiana. See Black Veil Bridges and VV on September 28th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. All right, Courtney. We've got football kind of
0: back tonight <laughs> you got
1: you got to throw that kind of in there right yeah like,
0: we've got the hall of preseason fame football's game. back
1: there will be large men running into each other tonight take that how you want that's crazy uh but at the end of the day you know what I mean like football will be played what are you looking to see from the hall of fame game tonight
0: so there's no Aaron Rodgers He hasn't played in a preseason game since 2018 don't expect him tonight there's no Deshaun Watson You know, it's the first game like I remember last year watching the Hall of Fame game and it's crazy when you talk about like we just need something like to watch because people have such an appetite for football. The ratings for that, if I remember correctly, were just like just nuts, like people tuning in to watch a Thursday night early August football game. But as far as storylines here, I don't really care about Zach Wilson playing like to be Aaron Rodgers' backup. I, I don't, I don't care about those sorts of things. What I think about Aaron Rodgers turning forty this year and playing behind an offensive line that has a lot of question marks—they had eleven starters last year because yeah. of injuries. Makai Becton's playing tonight. Robert Sala said anywhere from twenty to twenty-five snaps. This guy has missed all but one game since two thousand twenty-one. He's trying to regain his starting position. Back at tackle. And then you've got the two guys that they just drafted, Tipman and I think it's Carter Warren, the other guy that they drafted in the fourth round. Um, that stuff, like to figure out, like, you know, you're not going to see like premier line play tonight, like from guys that are starters, but these are people who are competing for roles. So that's important. Yeah. And I think for Aaron Rodgers, when we've seen some of these practice videos and wow, look at that great pass to Garrett Wilson, you know what else happened? The rush was in his face. And so this is not just a Jets thing. This is for Justin Fields, too. When they get to preseason games, how does the offensive line look? Is your quarterback, because right now they're saying and doing all the right things in terms of how they have to protect for him, knowing who they have behind him. I think that was echoed by Braxton Jones and yes. Kevin Jenkins, that they you know, just kind of hold on for dear life. Like this is somebody who can leak out the back and you know make an explosive play happen even if it doesn't look like in the moment where you drop back when he drops back to pass but that's that's what I'm looking for tonight just like how does this offensive line look are they getting bull rushed are they getting like pushed back into Zach Wilson because some of these people that are playing tonight you're going to see this season for the Jets just based on you know how things like outside of Elijah Vera Tucker like what's there's nothing there that's a lock for that offensive line Dwayne Brown's like you know, 39 years old. So I I look at this situation with the Hall of Fame game and like what your takeaways could possibly be. For me, if I'm a if I'm looking at this from like what it means for Aaron Rodgers in year one at the Jets, that could be make or break for him. It really could, because yes, he still is a very elusive player and he can move in and out of the pocket, but he's 40 years old. Tom Brady needed better protection in his 40s. How does that affect Aaron Rodgers? And tonight you'll start to see. At the very beginning stages of that,
1: yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where, and Aaron's always been like that that sneaky mobile guy, right? Like you you can send a blitz, but you're really not going to get him, and he he's mm-hmm. able to make the quick play. This is not a Packers offense that he can just fall back on again, though. You know, I, I get it, right? Nathaniel Hackett back in there it does change things a little bit. It, it makes him a little more comfortable, probably, but, um, to me, like I I come into tonight and. I think that when you look at that offensive line, this is going to be one of those things that with pressure in Aaron's face, we might begin to see the fall off of Aaron Rodgers because at a minimum, the Packers knew how to, when there was pressure in his face right that last season he's there, Mm -hmm. they just were like, all right, we're going to run the ball. We got two backs back here. We're going to do a lot of screen passes. The receivers can't catch right now because they're rookies and we're asking too much of them. I don't think that he has that insulation just naturally built in in New York. So it's going to be very interesting to see that. And on the flip side of it from the Browns, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. Deshaun Watson, can you be great again? That's the only storyline that I think that team has.
0: That's, yeah. I mean, the ridiculous amounts of money that they paid him. Like, of course, we don't get to start to see the answer tonight because he's not playing tonight. He played, like, that's, I, 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 I always, like, fight against the notion Starters need time in the preseason. Like, okay, great idea in theory, but they're never going to play that much where you get, like, a comfortable feel. Like, Deshaun Watson played one series last year against Jacksonville in, um, I think it was, like, the third week of the preseason before he started his suspension. Yeah, saw nothing from that. So, like, there's no reason for either of them to play tonight. No one's changing their mind on that. Like, the Hall of Fame game is always, like, the... You know, that's, that's going to be for like the 50 through 53rd spot on your roster. That's where you start to see those position battles take shape. And, you know, if you're not a fan of either of those teams, you don't necessarily have a vested interest in what battles there are out there. But it kind of whets the appetite, so they say, uh, to, to get a little bit of football going tonight
1: the, the special teams battle is going to be lit tonight that's really what we're seeing it always
0: is
1: <laughs> you'll never I will say this that my favorite thing about games like this is when you get into like the third and fourth quarter it's some of the worst offensive football you've ever seen in your life but you never see guys try harder like you never see just like flying to the football diving it's like okay but all right I, I'm sorry you didn't you didn't make this iteration of the team um I mean the fact that football's back though like it just it really is one of those things where I being in this and and doing the the media side of it now once it starts it's just a non-stop flowing river of football and that's just awesome to me like I'm not going to lie I'm just excited about that in general um is there anything heading into the Bears first preseason game that you're really looking to see from this team as far as Improvement, of course, health would be great, but mm-hmm. just improvement on the offensive or defensive side, or I guess right still looking to add a pass rusher, right?
0: Yeah, I uh, and you know seeing how many snaps starters will play in the preseason will be interesting. It's a story that line that we always end up following. And when they end up doing that, it's probably going to be that second game against the Colts. I think we will probably get most of the answers at least starting to get them. During not just like preseason games, but that like joint practice against Indianapolis, that I think is really critical to see what the growth is from the pass rush, but also, you know, fields with an actual pass rush coming at him. So that's a couple weeks away. But going into the Bears' first preseason game, which we still have, you know, a couple, you know, over a week till we get there next Saturday, I'm looking at the position battles that have already taken shape. So cornerback. At with Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith. That's probably my top position battle at the moment. And then with Tyler Scott fitting into this offense, this is going to be his moment to shine early on as a fourth round draft pick, like figure fitting in with this offense and showing what he's done with his speed, not only like offensively, but on punt return the reps between himself and Bayless Jones will be very intriguing to watch. Um, yeah. Those are the top two position battles right now. I you know, people are like, why aren't you saying running back? I think that that's still going to like find, like there's been some injuries at that position. We haven't seen Roshan Johnson the last two days of practice, but that one's probably going to take a little bit more time to, to know, okay, like, is it Khalil Herbert, For- Dante Foreman, and then, you know, um, Roshan Johnson, or is it Foreman? Herbert and then, like, what what the splits are there. Like, that's going to take a little bit more time to get. But I think the top two position battles between, you know, the punt returner and cornerback two is a big deal.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Before we get up out of here, you said 100% the Chicago Bears won't be playing in Chicago, (laughs) won't be building a stadium in Chicago. I don't think so. What's happening?
0: This is, I think it's another leverage play, another message (laughs) that's being sent to Arlington Heights. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure Bears fans had probably expected because Kevin Warren took the job in January that we might have something news about breaking ground in Arlington Heights six months in to his tenure. And the fact that they're in this holding pattern, I honestly think that it's going to end up being a holding pattern for a while. And there's, you know, more might more places try to throw their name into the hat, sure. But like I still think their sights are set on Arlington Heights and developing the property that they purchased that they are, you know, I haven't been out to Arlington Heights in a couple weeks, but like, you know, they were in the process of tearing down the grandstand and trying to like get that land ready to build eventually. Yeah. But I think that the the whole thing, like fans are confused about it because it's like what's actually happening and what the team's saying Versus kind of like what, you know, reality might be if this is a leverage play. That's, you know, all things to consider here in seeing if Arlington Heights is willing to play ball with the Bears. Because for right now, they're kind of standing firm on that. But they're not.
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's such a weird situation. I just, every day I, I see something or anytime Kevin Warren puts out a joint Press conference or or joint uh, uh, press release or statement with like Chicago. I'm just like, you're you're teasing us now. Like, don't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do this to me. They're just going to take away 10,000 more seats. That's all that's going to (laughs) happen. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll we'll keep you guys updated on everything going on Chicago Bears related here on the Chicago Bears podcast. Make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe to the page. Football's back, baby. Thursday night football. We got a tickle fight tonight. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Hey.